there's many walks of life that we don't understand. Let's try to understand their okay. walk of All life right, a little enough, bit. You know, enough. we're trying to get into this cult. Hi there, I'm Arden. And I'm Will. And you're listening to Crash, Crash on, on My Couch. Couch. A one-stop shop for all of those interesting little tidbits you need to talk to your grandmother at your next family reunion. On this week's episode of Crash on My Couch, we talk about how you can find $2 million of hidden treasure in the Rocky Mountains. We talk about a cat called Cupcake who goes on a crazy adventure. And about how you can join a cult where you just don't eat or drink anything. Sounds fun. Yeah. And we answer some of your pressing questions. Well, hey guys. Hello. Welcome back to Crash on My Couch. So happy to have you here with us. Hey, Squilliam. Hello, Arden. How you doing? I'm good, thank you. Uh, we're recording a bit differently today. We have one microphone in between both of us, and we're staring lovingly into each other's eyes. Usually we have separate mics, so this is a very romantic episode. Yeah, it's romantic slash creepy. <laughs> slash creepy. Also, we're sitting on the floor. It's kind of ramshackle right now. You know, we're not the cutest, but uh, we get the job done. It's a ramshackle podcast, yeah. It really is. It's it's um, what's it? it's a shotgun podcast, yeah. similar to a shotgun wedding, we although should, I'm not pregnant. We should light a few candles. Ooh. Have some dinner, make it like a whole thing. Mood lighting. Set the table, you know. Ooh, quite literally, because we're on a yeah. tiny table right yeah. now. Yeah, we've already Aww. got our tea, so. That's cute. Yeah, I made tea too, because that's pretty cute. And normally someone goes and lovingly gets us coffee before we record podcasts, so I made us tea. Because, you know, we're homemade like that today. <laughs> but, um, first world problems. <laughs> yeah, first world problems. <laughs> Big thanks to everyone, by the way, that has been posting on social media, on Instagram and Twitter and everything, letting us know that you're enjoying the podcast. Um, seriously, it means so much, and it's so cool to finally get to see what you guys are thinking of everything. Um, because I, you guys probably know this, but we've been recording a podcast for like a year now. A very long time. <laughs> a very long time. So we've waited a long time to finally have fresh episodes where we can say thank you um so thank you so much it's, thank you very much it's really cool and now this week we get to include a new segment that will's very excited oh about. this is my segment people my segment if you follow me on twitter you would have seen that i have um been tweeting about let's come around and say it treasure <laughs> recently <laughs> me and Arden had this inside joke um for like a i guess a couple years now where I'm obsessed with treasure hunting and just just treasure in general. Uh, I've been playing like Uncharted, the new Uncharted game, like a couple months ago, and Arden couldn't stop hearing about my treasure obsession. It's it's like you think that he's going to be satiated from the video game because if you've ever played the Uncharted series, it's basically like Indiana Jones in a video game, and it's so fun because you get to be the treasure hunter. And so I thought, oh, this is great. Will will stop fucking talking about treasure hunting if he plays a treasure hunting game. Wrong. Then all he did was just look up treasures that have been undiscovered. Yeah. And, like, I think you're more obsessed with James Cameron than ever just because he went on that deep sea dive and you're, like, obsessed listen, with listen, it. Listen, listen, listen. This is what James Cameron did, okay? James <laughs> okay, Cameron. listen, listen. We are not making this whole podcast about treasure hunting. <laughs> Do not commandeer this podcast. <laughs> listen, listen. <laughs> James Cameron, my man, decided that he wanted to do some exploring. But in order to do some exploring, you need some cash. You need some dollar, 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 some pound, pound, pound. So uh, James Cameron made Titanic because he thought, well, fuck it. Need some cash. (laughs) 
Let's do this. Because so, that's what you do when you're about to make Titanic. Yeah. The top grossing film in the entire world. Well, now it's been... No, now it's been overshot by... Yeah. What? Avatar. Avatar. Yeah. Which he also made. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> exactly. You're, like, getting to my point. So James Cameron thought, well, I'm not going to become Indiana Jones without, like, a billion dollars. Yeah. So I'm going to make Titanic. After he made Titanic and Avatar... He just started deep sea exploring, didn't he? And now he's like one of the only people, if not like the only person in the world, he's like broken a record for being like the deepest human, like going like the deepest blow in the sea or something like that. Something crazy. Like he was like, he manned his own submarine. On a man, that's what it is. Yeah. It's a manned vessel. Yeah. He was one of the deepest, I want to say the deepest people, but that sounds like he's a really like introspective dude. Um, yeah. That's how you do it, guys. So if you're ever wondering, how can I become a treasure hunter? Make Titanic, make Avatar, then you're laughing. Oh my god, I cannot believe you. Either way, thank you for um, completely commandeering the intro to this podcast. Um, so glad. We, we Honestly, we could do an entire episode about treasure hunting just for Will's sake, so let us know if that's something that you want to do. So there you go. Uh, now you know that Will is proven to be a treasure hunting enthusiast, borderline obsessed, uh, which has led us into our newest segment. Yar, let's, let's go, go on, on a, a treasure hunt. hunt. So uh, the first treasure we're going to be talking about on this podcast is a notorious treasure. It's one that's been sorted after for a number of years. And it's called the Fen Treasure. Ooh. Is that right? The Fen Treasure? Yep, the Fen Treasure. Um, and this one is... I like this one because obviously you think about treasure as something that's like out in the middle of the open ocean. It's in the Atlantic. It's in Peru. You know what I mean? Like I think of these exotic locations. This one's in the Rocky Mountains. Yeah, I, I guess like this is nice because this is a little bit different to what you'd expect. It's a bit more local. And also the story behind it is actually really kind of sweet. Like, I feel like also a lot of treasure is like blood money. You know what I mean? Blood like, money. It's like blood treasure, like a pirate fight that happened. Or doubloons. It's just doubloons. I don't know. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Also doubloons. Yeah. Most treasures doubloons. But I think this is actually also doubloons. It's gold nuggets and stuff. It's gold nuggets. It's okay. It's gold coins. <laughs> and it's gems. And people. it's gems. But look, also a Romanesque chest. A bronze. <gasps> okay, wait. I'm not, sorry. We're getting ahead of ourselves. So I'm going to back it up a little bit and I'm going to tell you the story. Because I know you're going to have a lot to discuss. And I feel like i got to have my voice heard just a little me. bit before you get really excited about it. Lay it on me. Okay, so basically, 86-year-old Forrest Finn hid treasure in the Rocky Mountains in 2010. He provided clues to its location, but it's still undiscovered. By the way, we're reading this article on UK Business Insider. Okay, so if you want to check this out, go search the Finn Treasure on Business Insider UK. Okay, so. He's provided clues to its location, but it's still undiscovered. He hopes the hunt will encourage families to spend time outside together. So the interesting part of this is that the reason why he wanted to make this treasure is because at one point he was diagnosed with terminal kidney cancer in 1988. And he had this idea to leave behind clues, head out into the wilderness with a chest of treasure and a bottle of sleeping pills, and die on his own terms. He basically wanted to be, oh my god, you know that trope of treasure hunting where you come across a skeleton, like, clutching a chest? Yeah. He wanted to be that. That is dope. How unbelievably dope is that? Like, even though it's very macabre and sad, it's also, like, 
like think about being the person to discover that. That's how I want to die. Because you bet your ass when I'm dying, <laughs> I'm leading a series of clues <laughs> to a treasure all the way in Peru. We're going to the Atlantic Ocean. We're going up in the sky. I don't know how I'm doing it, but I'm doing it. Oh my god! On the moon, Mars. The Mars treasure. <gasps> oh my god! When you die, it's going to be epic. You're no, you're going to wrangle me into doing something with it. You're going to make me set it up. Anyways, moving on. Okay. The the good part about this, though, is that his plans kind of got put on hold because a couple years later, he went into remission, which is crazy because he was diagnosed with terminal kidney cancer. Very good news. Yeah. So good for him. That's so great. Um, but when the Great Recession hit, his mind turned back to the thought of a treasure hunt. Yes. Which I think is so sweet. This is um, something that he said, and this is a, an, a quote that Finn gave to Business Insider. There seemed to be despair everywhere. I wanted to give people some hope and something to believe in. How sweet is that? Like, instead of making it his, like, dying wish, he was like, no, you know what? The American people, people across the world, they need something to believe in. Yeah. So I'm still going to take my treasure and put it out in the middle of the Rockies and give someone something to look for. I love that. You know, in in a world... I guess in a world at the moment where we know everything or we, we think we know everything and we have a scientific answer or a, an answer for anything, it's nice that there are things like this which are a mystery and, you know, we haven't found yeah. and there are there. And I guess that's why I love just the idea of treasure and things that have been lost and things that haven't been found and things about our past that haven't been found because, like, it is, you know, if if all these things are out there, it's, like, an exciting thing. Like, it's something which... You can still hold hope in. Yeah, and you can't just, like, you can't just get now. Everything you can just get. Like, that is one thing that's just, it's a mystery. It's a complete mystery. And everything, in a world where everything is solved, a mystery is a good thing. Yeah, and, and it's special. It's something special. Like, mm. if you're the person that finds it, it's spe- it's like something exciting and it's special. I love that. I agree with that, Will. You say that a lot. So, I think that maybe that's part of the reason why you love treasure hunting so much is because you love something undiscovered. Mm. Um so the treasure has been previously estimated to be worth about two million dollars. This man is not keeping this money. He literally put it out to be found. Two million dollars of his own money. So cool. He used to be an art dealer in uh, Santa Fe. That's that's where he got all of his money. Um, and then he was also a pilot in the Vietnam War, which is crazy. So cool. So he's done so much in his life. He's had had so much adventure that it's so cool that he like wants to instill inven- adventure into other people. Yeah. Which is part of the reason why I'm really glad that we get to talk about this today. Um, so <laughs> I'm going to go back up and, and we're going to read what he actually put in the boxes. So on his first journey, the art dealer carried with him a bronze Romanesque chest. So that alone, I don't know how much that is worth. Not- like a bronze Romanesque chest. That's like an ancient treasure. That's what's even better. It's like there is also just like ancient treasure. It's not just like money. No. It's like ancient treasure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. On the second trip, he brought a backpack filled with gold coins. There's your doubloons. Gold nuggets and gems. Finn says he filled the chest with the valuables and stashed it all somewhere in the massive mountain range. Wow, isn't that crazy that no one's found it? No, and it says in the years since, thousands have tried to find the treasure, according to NPR. At least one person has died in the search. Like, people wow. have died to I find I wonder where it is. But, I mean, he couldn't be... I mean, I wonder if he's, like, a big rock climber and stuff. I wonder if he, like, was able to get up to a place where, like, 
the general population isn't able to go up to. See, I don't know. That's something that a lot of people have questioned because he's 86 years old. And like, but he did this in the, when did he do this? He did this in the eighties and nineties, right? Yes. Yeah, so, but he must've been like still like in his sixties yeah. when he was doing this. Yeah. So, you know, it's not like he, I mean, unless he was a really yeah. fit guy yeah. to begin with, it's not like he could really go anywhere that a normal person couldn't go. Yeah. So it makes you think like the person that died, I mean, I don't know the circumstances of it, but like mountains are obviously a, a deadly, treacherous thing to climb. Mm-hmm. Um, but I mean, he couldn't have been, you know, putting it all the way up to the top. You know what's interesting, though? He says that no one will happen upon the treasure. They will have to figure out the clues before they can find it. So he's, like, not surprised that no one has found it. He, like, he is very convinced that it's going to take figuring out all the clues for someone That's to be able to get there. It's probably, like, really, like, specific, like, under this thing or under that thing. Well, let's see. So he has, it's nine, I think there are nine hints. Fenn yep. has confirmed four of the nine clues have been solved and that the searchers have been within 200 feet of the treasure. How? I wonder how he knows that. Because he must, he must track it. Because I'm sure that people who go to hunt for it, they probably have blogs and stuff that they're, like, you know, posting about. Like, I don't know who the person Fuck. was, but he probably had someone go, yeah, I was up around this rock, or oh, I was over here. And he's like, oh, dude, that was, like, 200 feet away from the treasure. Dude, 200 feet away from the treasure. How mad would you be? Can you imagine if you, like, well, I guess you probably wouldn't even tell those people, right? Because there must be, what, like, hundreds of people trying to look for this thing. Oh, for sure. And there's there's obviously a group of people or one person that's 200 feet away from it. But I bet he didn't even tell that person. No, no. He's just trolling them. He's like, well... You got close. <laughs> close? Wait. He's also a prospector now, apparently. <laughs> yeah. But also, look at this. He survived his illness and waited until he was 79 or 80 to hide the treasure. So he was, like, old when oh, wow. he was when he buried this. The most recent was... A most, okay, wow. So listen to this. So the most recent person that went missing was Randy Bilyeu. Billia. <laughs> hey. Uh, Randy Billia, who went missing in January 2016 and was later found dead in July of that year. So oh my some God. guy died in the summer of last year trying to find this fucking thing. Oh my God. You know what, baby? This is what you need to do. You need to go and you look, because he's written books about this. He's written two books about this. So you need to read all of his books and then we need to build our fortune off of finding this treasure. Listen, hun, we're finding this treasure. Whoa, look how many books there are. There's... Three, four, five, six. There's nine books. Look, look, look. All these people have made books like how to find Forrest Fenn's treasure. But then, but then they actually haven't found yeah, it. Yeah, how to, you didn't find it. Why would you write a book about how to find it if you're not the one that's going to go find it? If you really think that you've got the, like, the tips and tricks to go find a $2 million treasure, you wouldn't write a book about it, would you? Yeah. You'd keep that to yourself. I'm not reading those books. I'm reading the ones by him. Because, look, he's written two books are about we, it. Are, are we not going to go find it? We ab- absolutely... We're going on an expedition we, to find this. We are absolutely going to go find this. I want to know what the clues are, don't you? Yeah. I, I mean, I quite like how tangible it is as well, this treasure. You know, usually you hear one which is like, you know, it's in an ancient city or it's at the bottom of the sea, like, and it's hidden in this thing. Like, where, like this is just right by Montana, by Wyoming, near Colorado. It could be in any of those states along the Rockies. Like... It's there. Yeah. And he's given you the clues to find it, and it exists. Yeah. I mean, okay, so the New York Times reported that Finn has provided a few more hints about the treasure's location. Apparently, the spot where the chest is hidden... I love that it's a chest. I can't get over (laughs) the fact that it's an actual treasure chest. ...is hidden. It's higher than 5,000 feet above sea level, and at least 8.25 miles north of Santa Fe. Okay. 
So he's given like pretty specific. Oh, Fen urges Search to take safety precautions while searching for the chest. Interesting. He also encouraged them to enjoy the journey rather than focusing solely on the goal of discovering the fortune. Wow. So I guess safety precautions indicates that maybe you do need to, you know, maybe be able to climb or... Maybe. I mean, here's the thing. It seems like almost part of me, I know this is like a disgusting thing to say, but what if he just lied? (laughs) Yeah, he's just trolling. Yeah, what if he just said he had a treasure up in the... And he just lied. He was just sitting there like... <laughs> you know what he should have done? He should have taken photos of it so he could be like, look, this is the treasure I put out. Yeah, but that's providing... Evidence. Evidence. That's true, because people would use. analyze that photo. People yeah. would analyze that photo. But it's interesting because he says, I wanted to give the kids something to do. They spend too much time in the game room or playing with their little handheld texting machines. That's me describing a cell phone. Uh, I hope parents will take their children camping and hiking in the Rocky Mountains. I hope they'll fish, look for fossils, turn rotten logs over to see what's under them, and look for my treasure. He's such a sweet guy. I want to be best friends with him. But that's interesting because if he's talking about kids and families finding it, then it can't be that treacherous. It can't be like a... I don't think it's like a... like. He was like 80 when he buried it. So there's four clues. There's night... There's- there's, There's nine, nine clues. clues in total. Four clues. Four clues. Four clues. <laughs> four clues have been solved. So there's five more which haven't been found yet. Yeah. So and I guess I know what I'm doing. You're gonna go. You're gonna go try to figure it out. Okay. On today, like the news. Oh, right, so it's one poem that has all nine clues. So yes. So there's okay. Oh oh. So Thrill of the Chase is a self-published autobiography, and in the autobiography, he gives the nine clues. Wow. So he has this whole poem. I won't read the whole thing, but it's like, it's very interesting. Begin it where warm waters halt, and take it in the canyon down, not far but too far to walk. Put it below the home of Brown. From there, it's no place for the meek. The end is drawing ever nigh. There'll be no paddle up your creek, just heavy loads and water high interesting wow oh my gosh what if a bunch of people have found it but when they go and find it they realize that the joy of treasure hunting was the actual treasure and they just leave the treasure for someone else to <laughs> that's never gonna happen <laughs> that's such a nice thought but like if i'm fighting that treasure you bet i'm running down that mountain with it i'm buying myself a quad bike Quad bike? Really? That's where you go with two, two million dollars? You go with a quad bike? Okay. I mean, you know, it's... Or a yacht. Or a yacht. I don't know how much a yacht costs, but I feel like you get a yacht. I feel like I get a good yacht for like a million dollars. solid yacht. Yeah. Invest the rest of it. Yeah. We're so gross. We're like ruining, we're ruining the beauty of this treasure hunt. Okay, so we've been talking about treasure hunting for way too long. Like, way too long. But I hope this was a nice taste for you guys. If you guys like this segment, please let us know. Uh, we would love to hear from you guys if you're enjoying this. Definitely go and tweet us um, or Instagram me. I would love to to hear what you thought. But we really enjoyed it. Yeah. <laughs> we love going on our treasure hunt. So since we've been talking all about the outdoors, reconnecting with nature, I thought we could talk about some pretty badass animals this week in... Animals are badasses. As most of you guys know, I love anything feline. I love cats more than many things. Most things, actually. Yeah, she, she, Arden really loves cats. Like, I will cry if I see enough cat gifts all in a row. There's, like, a certain number that will just send she, me over the edge. She has an app on her phone which she currently plays. It, it, Are we going there? It, what's it called, Arden? Uh, do you mean Neko Atsume? 
and it's uh, basically a cat management app, <laughs> and you 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 get different cats, then you manage you manage your favorite ones. That makes it sound like I am a psycho. It's like being able to be a crazy cat lady without actually going through like but, a financial. But she thinks they're thing. real as well, which is kind of the okay. Weird thing. No, I don't. It's just that Senor Elgato is a very cool cat. She knows the name. They're cool. Also, Marshmallow visits me a lot, and so I have to give a little bit of favoritism to Marshmallow. Also, she didn't name any of these. The computer did. Well, yeah, but I have pictures of all of them, so fine. Oh, that makes them real. (laughs) Anyways, so talking about a real-life cat, though. um, So this cat survived eight days in a box after an owner accidentally mailed her across England. Hold on, what was the cat's name? The cat's name is... (laughs) Cupcake. <laughs> cupcake. So Cupcake somehow found found her way into a box. I think she found her way into a box. And uh, she was in there for how long? So she was in there for eight days. By the way, this is from Huffington Post, if you guys want to peep it. Where was the package going from? A to B. So this woman was sending a package. So she was in... F- you're probably going to be able to pronounce this a lot better than I am because it's in southwest England. But it's Falmouth. 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 And then it traveled 260 miles. <laughs> and the way this article says this is so funny. After traveling for 260 miles, Cupcake arrived in Worthington, West Sussex, on the other side of the country. Holy crap. She arrived. So basically, this is what happened. This owner underestimated how much this cat loves to apply the phrase, if it fits, I sits. Which is what most cats... <laughs> if it fits, I sit. Which, have you guys heard of it? If it fits, I sit. Yeah. If you look it up online, it, it's it's an old-ass meme. But it's like cats trying to fit in anything they can fit into. And it's mostly small boxes that they try to fit into. And this is exactly what this cat did. I feel like I feel like this this story is a pet movie waiting to happen. It totally... Oh, my God. Cupcake's Wild Ride. Yeah, and Cupcake has a... Uh, strong accent like Danny DeVito plays the cat <laughs> Danny, Danny so DeVito Garfield. is, is so it's Garfield yeah and Cupcake gets up to shenanigans across the city of across across but the UK the thing is she's just in a box for eight days but was she you know like no the, she definitely was the, the, like the fun thing about the film is that it's her racing to get back to a box like she goes out for the day and then she hops back in a box when is, what post office is she like breaking out of this box and then retaping the herself? The sights she must see in, you into know. the box later. She's repackaging herself just to continue to be sent. Not her trying to get home. Not her doing anything else other than just trying to continually be be packaged and sent somewhere else. Have you have you seen a baby's day out? That sounds awful. It's uh, these crooks take this baby. From this like wealthy family. Why do you know all of these shitty movies? Because this this <laughs> film is quintessentially one of the best films I've seen, and uh, the ba- the baby uh, keeps escaping from their clutches, and these like crooks, which look like the guys from Home Alone, are trying to catch the baby. So my idea for this film is that the cat's escaping, and the postman is escaping. Postman keeps trying to catch him. So like she's dragging him up Big Ben. He's hanging off Big Ben as he's trying to grab all of her. You know. <laughs> She's parachuting down. This is all awful, yeah. but someone will probably pay big money to produce that. It <laughs> wouldn't surprise me. Yeah, there you go. Um, what was that one that you were talking about the other day that was... What? You know what movie I... Dunstan checks in. <laughs> Every now and again, you get, like, really bad pet films, don't you? Like just pet films? Pet films? 
okay, talking about pet animals, films. animal films. Basically, animal films where the director went, "Do you think we could get a cat to do that?" And a trainer went, "We could try." Like and Homeward then that's Bound. It. Homeward Bound was another one. That's they're all bad. Cats they're and so dogs. Bad. No, which cats and dogs. Secret was so agents. Good. Shut up. Cats and dogs was so good when they use poop as bombs. Yeah, that's so good. Um, but Dunstan checks in <laughs> is about a kid that works it, that lives in a hotel. I think classic. Since kids live in hotels all and, the time. And Why was that such a theme of the nineties? I don't know. And, <laughs> and this guy with a chimp comes to stay, and the chimp gets let loose, and him and the boy wreak havoc. And his name is Dunstan. Who called names the chimp Dunstan? I think it's a brilliant name. Also, I would like to point out that if so, if you go on iTunes and you watch Dunstan Checkson's preview. And you also subscribe to Crash on My Couch. You have to do both of those things. But <sighs> if you if you watch Dunstan Checks In's preview, at the end of it, it shows him massaging a naked lady. This yeah. is an ape. Massaging a naked lady as she's, like, moaning in pleasure. And I'm like, this is not only a kid's show, that's bestiality. You can't show that. Like, what are you doing at this moment? It's that just you hijinks. Think that's okay? It's hijinks. Hijinks? Really? Hijinks? <laughs> Yeah. It's ridiculous. Anyways, let's get back to the topic at hand. So this cat survived. Cupcake survived. She's a badass. She should get a tattoo, honestly. Like a teardrop tattoo. But that's also animal abuse. And she can't choose that for herself, so she shouldn't get a tattoo. Um, <laughs> but apparently Cup- Cupcake was scared, nervous, and very dehydrated. Oh, Cupcake. But she was fine. And it says that everyone was delighted. And even more so when we found the contact details were up to date. And we were able to contact her owners straight away. Oh, my God. For a second, I thought it just said the vet sent her back via press. And I was like, wait a second. How did they – did they send her back in a box again? They did not. That's good. She's like, ah, oh, you got to be kidding me. <laughs> or Danny DeVito's voice. Can you do Danny DeVito's voice? Who can do Danny DeVito's hey, voice? you got to be kidding me. Oh, okay. So right. generic New Yorker voice. Yeah. Good. Okay. Good on you. Right. Anyways, so apparently the owner – her statement, her final statement in this thing was just – I feel terrible about what's happened, you know? And it's like, yeah, but did you just, like, let's think about the fact that you boxed up your cat and sent it somewhere. Like, did you not think that the box was, like, a little bit heavier than it should have been? <laughs> yeah, and was making, like, scratching me yeah, out noises. Yeah, it sounds like she was trying to strategically kill her cat without anybody knowing it. <laughs> um, I mean, I put everything in the box and I sealed it straight away, so I don't know how she managed to get in there, she added. It was a miracle because she was alive. She's managed to survive that awful ordeal. It's like, no... You didn't, like, put everything in the box and seal it straight away, and you don't know how she managed to get in there. She was already in the box. No. Like, you just didn't Pe- check the box properly. People are just weird, aren't they? You know? Yeah, and just... speaking of weird things, Ooh. this segues into our next segment. Which is... You know what we should do today, Will? Tell me, Arden. We should... Join, join a, a cult. cult! So, I have an article pulled up right now. This is from Wikipedia, by the way. But only because this is a very scientific thing we're about to talk about. So in this segment, we're going to be talking about cults, um, but more specifically, what we would need to do to join a cult. Yes. As much as it's fun to talk about cults, let's talk about what we actually, like you, our wonderful listener, what you would have to do to get into one of these many amazing exclusive cults, um, which so are so fun and don't ruin your life. This one is sort of like a cult, but it's not really a cult, is it? The it, one we're going to be talking about. Yeah, it's confusing because it's kind of like a subsect of a religion that went wrong like it started off nice and then it went wrong so so the the broad term is enedia which is latin for fasting but the actual like religious term or life belief term is 
breatharianism. 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 And what does breatharianism, what does it entail? <laughs> Breatharianism um, is the belief that it is possible for a person to live without consuming food. And they also. Well, that's just, I mean, just off the bat, that doesn't make any sense, yeah. does it? You know what? Listen here, Will. I want you to keep your ears perked because we're not done with this I'll yet. I'll be open. You know, there's many walks of life that we don't understand. Let's try to understand their okay. walk of All life right, a little enough, bit. You know, enough. we're trying to get into this cult. But have a little bit more faith in this, maybe. So, uh, breatharians claim that food, and in some cases, water, <laughs> are not necessary for survival and that humans can be sustained solely by prana, which. I am. I think I am pronouncing that correctly, which is the vital life force in Hinduism. So this subsect of a religious belief, if you want to call it a religious belief, is based in Hindu teachings. But I think they took it a little too far. Right. So Hinduism, wonderful, beautiful religion. Prana, beautiful idea. Breatharianism kind of just abuse the idea. So how, how are you meant to survive this idea then? So basically sunlight is one of the main sources of prana or like a life force and some practitioners believe that it's possible for a person to survive on sunlight alone right that's also a great way to get skin cancer yeah that's but also a great way to just to die just to die um has anyone survived this i think what ends up happening is you eat like i right. think i think you starve yourself and then you eat you go <laughs> i'm gonna do this now and then you go and think actually you know what fuck i actually want to eat food now <laughs> Wait, hold up a second. I love food. Why would I do that? Yeah. Okay, so the hilarious thing is, for once, for once, a scientist, like, stepped in and was like, guys, stop this. Like, don't do this right now. It's considered a lethal pseudoscience by scientists. And tons of people have apparently died from starvation and dehydration because they believed in this so hard. When they're dying and they're frail and they can't, you know, walk, do you think maybe they think, this isn't working? You, know. you would think, but, like, it seems like from what I'm reading, this is, like, I, we haven't really delved into Scientology on this segment yet, which, by the way, dear listener, we will get there one day. But it seems like it's a similar thing where, like, someone made an infomercial about this and it became a fad for a second and then people got in too deep and someone died and everyone went, uh-oh, and stopped talking about it. Because there's this one person that I'm reading about called Wiley Brooks – who is the founder of the Breatharian Institute of America. And he was on a TV show called That's Incredible. And he was saying that he was devoting 100% of his time on solving the problem as to why he needed to eat some type of food to keep his physical body alive and allow his light body, putting that in heavy quotes, to manifest completely. Uh, Brooks claimed to have found four major deterrents which prevented him from living without food. People, pollution, food pollution, air pollution, and electropollution. That's more than four things. But for whatever reason, it wasn't the fact that he wasn't eating that was keeping him from living without food. It was excuses like electropollution. What the hell is electropollution? Yeah, that common term. That common uses. term. Like, that uh, is a whole that, bunch that of jargon. That dastardly electropollution. Oh, but get this. So Got then, me again. <laughs> so then the same guy who is selling books and or DVDs or VHSs surrounding this trying to make like a lifestyle thing which by the way anyone who tries to sell me something on tv i instantly am like hoax which hopefully everyone else does too but so in 1983 he was observed leaving a santa cruz 7-eleven with a slurpee a hot dog and twinkies so obviously he doesn't believe too deeply in his own he went 
Actually, you know what? <laughs> I made enough money now. Fuck it. I don't want to do this anymore. <laughs> Give me a burger. I I, want, I just want a Slurpee. I understand that, though. If, yeah. you were, if you were fasting for, like, a, you know, maybe most of your life, it sounds like he was, you know, trying that pretty hard. He's like, hold on a second. I'm actually dying. I sh- probably shouldn't be dying, should I? And on top of that, fuck this. I want a damn Slurpee. Yeah. Give me some of that, that fine-ass Slurpee. <laughs> Is that what you would want? So if you're in this religion, which, by the way, so also, just so you know, this Ratharian cult, which people are calling it a cult, which means that this is I suppose it's thing. like a cult because people are just are just believing something which is so extreme and they're dying, aren't they, because of it? Yeah, I feel like that's the standard for a cult. Like someone has to die out of mismanagement or like just ignorance yeah. and then that will be – it deems it a cult. But Michelle Pfeiffer apparently was a Ratharian as a young actress, which I don't want to judge anyone, but, like, that doesn't surprise me. Like, she was a very thin person her entire life. And it, if she was in, a like, a starving cult, basically, that doesn't surprise me. Like, in Hollywood, it's such a pressure to be thin anyways. Yeah. So, you know, if someone's telling her that it's a good thing to be, yeah. you know, not eating. So, if if you were in the cult, you had eaten for two weeks. Yeah. Okay. Feeling a little bit shit. Maybe you're dying. Uh, <laughs> Maybe you, you're dying. You're you definitely have, dying. You can have any food you want. You know, you've left. You've left the cult. You're out of there, and you're headed somewhere. You're Where, headed are you somewhere. Headed? Where are you what headed? What fast food restaurant are you going to? Yeah. Um, to be honest, maybe it's just I'm hungry right now. But I get some goddamn Taco Bell. Really? Yeah. I you get one that. of those quesadillas. I get one of those quesaritas. Really? I'd be into that. <laughs> yeah, no, that's not a bad idea. And then you also get uh, that freezy. There's a freezy on there. There's a freezy. <laughs> there's, yeah. there's a Baja Blast waiting for you. <laughs> I think you just you'd go to like the sluttiest food place you can think of. Okay, can I just I'm gonna put a point in this real quick. Will calls really great foods slutty. Who knows why he does that? He doesn't refer to other girls as slutty. It's just food. It's always food. So there you go. Just just explaining that for a second. So yeah, and I dictate sluttiness of food by. How bad it is for you. Right. And so also like by how drippiness. good it looks. Though. Right. So it's like grease drippiness, cheese meltiness, and like fry crispiness. Yeah. That could indicate a sluttiness. Yeah. Right. So In and out. Slutty. slutty. Taco Bell. Slutty. slutty. Shake Shack. Slutty. slutty. Yeah. Okay. That's very slutty. <laughs> we're really, you know what we're doing? We're, we're taking away the power from slut shamers. There's a food, there's a food <laughs> sluttiness scale and Shake Shack, I think, is a solid eight. <laughs> we went, we went to the sluttiest place I've ever been to the other day, which was, um, the donut monstrosity we had. Oh my God. What was it called? Are you talking about Milky Buns? So on the slutty scale, number 10 was, uh, Milky Buns, which is oh. this, this place in California, which they sell ice cream, so we, I had this sort of cereal monstrosity of an ice cream, and then it's wrapped in two warm glazed donuts. Yeah, but the crazy part is, like, I didn't know what to expect from this. I'm going in a little cynical. I'm like, how could you make this work? But they glaze the donuts, like, right as you walk up. And so it, like, is drippy. And, and it's hot. Warm. And, the, and the ice cream's melding. Oh. Like, it's now, an insane. That is a solid gasm. slutty 10 on my scale. <laughs> I don't know anything quite as slutty as that. And there was toppings. You get chocolate on it, you get marshmallows, you know, any it's cereal. Yeah. Kinky. It's kinky. But here's the thing I think we've just proven we could never be in a Breatharian cult. 
No. So, do we want to join this cult? No. <laughs> we do not. <laughs> no, I do not want to be a part of this cult. Even if Michelle Pfeiffer, the beautiful Michelle Pfeiffer, was in it. Not into it. Uh, but you guys should write in or leave us a voicemail telling us what your thoughts are on this wonderful cult. Yeah. And also what food you would eat once you realized that you were going to say, fuck idea. this to that cult. What would you eat? Yeah. And you can contact us at crashingmycouchshow at gmail.com. Or feel free to call us at 424-262-6824. That's 424-262-6824 to leave us a voicemail letting us know what delicious things you are going to eat after you decide that this cult sucks. Give us something on the slutty scale. I'm, I'm, I'm looking for slutty. a solid 10. Guys. Yeah, give us something real nice. Um, okay, so it is time for our final and some would say favorite segment. Hey, we all feel weird sometimes. Um, hey, we all feel weird sometimes. We're going to just have a little conversation with you guys right now. So thank you to everyone who sent in comments and questions for Crash on My Couch Show at gmail.com and also sent us a voicemail at 424-262-6824. We're going to answer a couple of your pressing questions. Hey, so my question is I want to get a nose job because ever since I was little, I've never been comfortable with my nose. And now that I'm 18, I want to... Um, get it fixed but i'm kind of scared of what you know all my co-workers all my friends all my family's gonna think so i wanted to know what you guys think i should do fascinating thank you for your question yeah, and for letting us much. into your life so i'm gonna have a controversial opinion about this maybe are you really i don't know there might be a little bit of controversy around this i i, I think if you if you want to do it you should just do it and you should just rock it that was going to be my opinion. Cool. So cool that it wasn't controversial. <laughs> so, so um, yeah, I think, like, there's been this weird wave of, like, people starting off in the realm of, like, get it, but don't tell anyone. Kind of that feeling. I feel like in the early 2000s, that was a thing, like, do you think she got her nose done? I think she got her nose done. And it was, like, this big secretive thing that you wouldn't tell anyone. And it was kind of embarrassing. And now we've kind of swung, swung around a little bit. And I do actually think that YouTube has changed a lot of people's perceptions on plastic surgery. Because now there's so many YouTube videos of people showing their experiences getting breast augmentations. Right, right, right. Nose jobs, whatever. Showing it as, like, not as scary of, of a thing. And also showing it as, like, someone's choice to change something about themselves that's making them insecure or feel bad. Like, I don't think there's anything wrong with that. You particularly specifically said that you have not liked your nose for a very long time and now that you're 18 you feel like you should be able to yeah. take that leap you probably liked you probably thought about liking your nose at one point thought do i like it or you've tried to like it and now you're at a point where like you know what i'm old enough i don't want it anymore nope i'm done and if that makes you happy go for it i would say at the very least just go get a consultation and, you know, they'll do a thing probably – I've heard a couple friends talk about this actually where they like do kind of a 3D print of what your nose would look like. And if you go in and you see that nose and you're like, that is something that I would get my nose broken and reshaped over, do it. Like, Yeah, and, and also if people say to you like, oh, you got a nose job or it's a big thing in your work. It's like, like – um, You can you could just be honest and just say, I never liked my nose and I, I – wanting to get a different nose yeah i'm happy about it now 
you know, what, what else can people say? Yeah. You know? Honestly, that's the thing. It's like, what are you going to judge me for? Like being confident enough in myself to say, I like this and I don't like this? You might, I think choices? if anything, if you're going to do it, you, you should just be as confident as you can be like, yeah. I'm going in. Anyone want to make me soup? This is what's going on. Yeah. Yeah. Anyone want to comfort me as I'm laying in bed? Because there's nothing to be ashamed of, you know? No, not at all. And, like, also, I think a great example of this, I'm going to call out um, a girl that is great to look at as an example of someone who did plastic surgery, right? Um, If you've ever heard of the girl, her name's Megan Rinks, and she has a YouTube channel where she vlogged her entire nose job so you can see what the experience would look like. And hers was a pretty intense one. Like, her, her healing process wasn't great. So it's great to see, like, kind of both sides of it because some people heal really quickly, some people don't. Um, but Megan's great to watch because she was so upfront and confident about it. I remember talking to her years ago, like when I was 17, roughly. She was talking about getting a nose job at that point. She's never liked her nose, same situation. And once she had enough money saved up, she went and got it done. Like, no regrets. Yeah. Filmed the entire thing, put it online. Probably made good money off the fact that she put it online. Like, smart lady. And now she has a beautiful nose that she really enjoys. She calls it Olivia. So I think that there is definitely a group of people that would say, don't get it because it's part of you. And if you love yourself, you should be able to love the parts that you don't even really like. But I think that's a little bit of bullshit. Like, do your own thing. Do what you want to do. If you're really questioning it, you know... Talk to your parents about it. Talk to whoever you feel confident that will give you a straight answer about it. But if it's something that's deeply embedded in you as an insecurity, just get it done. Just yeah. do it. Just do it. Because it doesn't matter. Who cares? If you have the money to do it, do it. Just make sure you do your research. Make sure you do a lot of research on your doctor, on everything. Just do research. That's what I keep hearing from people. I've never gotten a nose job. This is how it's like I've like gotten a nose job before. But do your research. But thank you for your question. I hope your nose job operation is successful. Okay, next up, we have an email from Maria. Maria. Hello, Maria. Okay, so I'm a 16-year-old girl, and I've never kissed anyone. I've also only been actually interested in one person, and it was only for a while. But the thing is, all my friends are having sex and in relationships. The whole kissing thing doesn't really bother me, but I just feel bad about being the only one with no experience at all. Well, Maria... <laughs> well, Maria, we'll, we'll, we'll Maria. enlighten you with with some information. Hopefully, I when I was growing up, I there was always such a big thing in my school where like if you weren't having sex, or you weren't doing the dirty with people. Oh God, you sound uh, so old right now. <laughs> uh, that you were looked down upon, I guess, if you weren't doing all that stuff. Do you uh, think? I'm sorry to interrupt this. I'm just going to ask like a real quick existential question. Do you think that? people actually look down upon you or do you think that like everyone put that upon themselves as a pressure and then it became this self-perpetuating cycle i think it's a bit of both okay i think uh, there was some pressure from your peers yeah it's definitely like kind of an instrumental thing in in growing up and um ah. and and like losing your virginity is a big part of it and i think if, if you're one of the people that hasn't lost their virginity or hasn't kissed and had experience with other people then kids will do that they'll be like oh why have you not done this why have you not done that like yeah. we all have why haven't you and you're the odd one out so but i think naturally speaking it's it, always, it can be a stressful point. so it's gonna happen yeah um i was never one of those people which was just like hooking up and making out with people just for the sake of it you're not macking on people i wasn't macking on anyone um <laughs> and like yeah you weren't <laughs> I, and i i just didn't i just didn't feel like it was useful for me in any way i didn't feel like i was getting anything from it I feel like as I've grown up, it's become even more of a big thing where, like, 
I don't. I wouldn't get with someone unless I was interested in, in someone. Mm-hmm. And I think for a lot of people, that probably isn't the same. And that's why I didn't get with a lot of people when I was younger, because that's not how I viewed things. So yeah. I probably was quite different to everyone else at my school, because they were all being sordid teenagers, <laughs> and I was playing Call of Duty. There you go. <laughs> and, I, and, I, and I turned out all right. Yeah, right, Arden? You got the girl, right? Yeah. Um... No, I agree. I agree. The funny thing is we came from two different worlds. So I think we have like different experiences on this, but I think I've come to like a universal idea. There are like two types of people growing up. There are the people who feel like they need to talk about their sexual conquests or their kissing conquests to feel validated. And those people then in turn make you feel invalidated because you haven't done what they've done. And they're saying those things, maybe not to invalidate you, maybe part of it is to make you feel bad, but they're mostly trying to make themselves feel better and feel like they fit into society by poking up with people or kissing people or whatever it is. So that's a a whole, like the people who you were talking about, like all the friends that are having sex and are in relationships, like they're talking about it because they want to feel validated. Yeah, like, if anything, you should be happy that you're not conforming to what everyone else is doing. Yeah, because I was the same person. Yeah, I was the same way Will was. Actually, in my school, I, it was a different story because I was raised in like a private Christian school where no one was having sex except if it was secret. And that was my 17-year-old self. Um, <laughs> so in my school, it was a little different because it wasn't cool to hook up with people. Like I had the exact opposite where it was like, oh, God doesn't like that. Don't hook up with people, which is like totally understandable. Get that philosophy. But that was not for me at all. I was definitely not on that realm of like feeling like I wanted to wait till marriage or anything. So that wasn't really an issue for me. I didn't feel pressure to have sex with anyone. If anything, I probably pressured people to have sex with me. <laughs> that seems upsetting. <laughs> yeah, you are you are a predator. Um, I ain't no predator. No, I'm kidding. I didn't pressure anyone. <laughs> I think at the end of the day, like, just do what you want to do. The, the The issue you have now, where you 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 feel pressure on you to have sex, is something you you won't have You're to deal get with over for it a long so time. Quickly. And as you grow up, you know, and you have different relationships, that becomes less an important thing. Yeah. Well, I think also like. To be honest, I know we speak from, like, a different realm, but, like, I was never – and I get – well, we were raised the same – kind of kind of the same way. Like, if you had hooked up with people in your high school, it wouldn't have been, like, a weird thing. But, like, I was always raised, like, if you're going to have sex with someone or you're going to have a relationship with someone, you better be pretty fucking interested in them. Like, everything that comes with sex is such an intimate thing. So, like, be interested in them. Although I do have friends who also casually hook up with people and have a wonderful time. So I think that, like, whatever you're feeling, do whatever you want to do, but don't feel outside pressure to do anything. Because I never did. Like, I was the same way Will was. I never hooked up with people. Even when I was 18 years old in Los Angeles by myself, which could have been a sexual disaster, uh, <laughs> there was – I did not – I did not – spread my woman's seed very efficiently oh my god <laughs> that is disgusting i think i think at the end of the day like if you were to conform and do what everyone else is doing or what everyone else wants you to do then afterwards you're just going to end up regretting it so what's the point you know yeah then you're going to be the person on the other side validating your sexual conquests because you feel insecure about them just take it's okay to take your time you know yeah. just because you're 16 and you haven't kissed someone doesn't mean there's anything wrong with you no like no not at just all. it just means you have specific tastes and you you like specific people and you like specific things it doesn't like you not kissing someone doesn't mean you're any different to anyone else or uh, that you're prudish or whatever if anything it, it just 
it shows that you stand up for what you want to do. Yeah, and good for you. Yeah. And if you wanted to slut drop and be a crazy person, go for it. No one's judging you for that either. Yeah. Just be safe. Especially at 16. I hope we, I hope we <laughs> answered that question in the best way possible. Yeah, I hope that helped at all, Maria. <laughs> okay, so our last question is from Dana. Dana. Hello, Dana. Thank you for asking a question. She says, Dear Arden and Will, Hello, I'm a junior in high school, and I'm at the point where I need to make an actual decision about my life. My family has all gone to college, so the same is expected of me. However, I feel that I might not be in the right path. I don't know what I'm doing with my life, so I don't want to spend a ton of money on college degree that I might not want. I always have felt like I need to live a traditional suburban middle-class life to be happy, but now I'm not too sure. Should I throw caution to the wind and try to live in this cruel world without a degree, or give college a try even if I don't stick with it? Love, Dana. Dana, you are falling for what many refer to as the American dream, <laughs> where you get out of college and you get a job right away, and then you can have tons of kids and a dog and a picket fence, and it's wonderful. But guess what? The baby boomers kind of fucked us, so that doesn't happen as much. <laughs> I got cynical real fast. Um, I think we live in a world nowadays where it's very non-traditional. Like, I know, once again, I've talked about this several times on this podcast, but I was from very strict south where you did the exact same thing it was like middle class suburban life is wonderful who doesn't love grass and picket fences and you know all that jazz um but when i moved i kind of realized that there's so many other things to be explored than just trying to make it in like a standard that's been set by your parents like you don't have to fit into your parents standard of of living if that's what you want to do that's fine but that doesn't have to be your number one priority. Your number one priority has to be that, that you're going to take care of yourself, though. And if that means that you're not going to go to college and do fuck all and, like, sit around, like, smoking reefer all day, then... Smoking reefer? I don't well, know. Back in the fucking 40s? Like... I don't know. All I'm saying is if you want to go to college and you want to get an education, you can still do that and just get a degree you really like. I think primarily what college teaches you is to put up with shit. Like, be on your own, put up with shit, do what you need to do to, to get to the next level in your life. You end up spending too much money and then getting into debt. So that's where it's kind of a catch. It's kind of a catch-22. I, I agree with that wholeheartedly. You know, if you don't want to go to college, university, you don't know what you want to do, then don't go. There are plenty of people now that come out of university and can't get a job. You know, I, I went to school with people who then went on to go to Oxford and Cambridge, the two big universities in, in the UK. Oh. And they've come out of it, and uh, they're, they're not doing anything. So it's important to take note that university doesn't guarantee you a job. Yeah, either. it's not like a handshake deal, like, here's your money so now. So you, you going to university might help get a job, but if you didn't go to university, that's probably not going to change a lot at the moment. Yeah, I, th I think there's definitely, like, a sense of hopelessness in college right now, which is upsetting because college should be like the place where you feel like you can explore yourself and explore what you're interested in, which I think is what's really important about college. The only issue is now we've gotten to the point where unless you have a scholarship, college, I'm sorry, this is indelicate, but college fucks you in the ass. Like you don't get anything out of it other than like $60,000 in debt. Or more like two hundred thousand dollars in debt. But you know, it's a, it is a good place to to find yourself. And yeah, if, if you did want to go to university and have that experience, which I hear is it's a very good one, you could go and take something which is quite broad, and then you could you could try and find yourself there at university. Yeah, I think that's what most students do. I think most people don't go in thinking like 
I'm going to be a doctor yeah, I, and actually end up being a doctor. I think that would be like, very rare for, for people your age to, to know that. And I think if you wanted to go to college, because it is a big thing, it is a fun thing, then you can go and totally find yourself. You know, you're, you're, you're there for a couple of years and you get to meet a bunch of people. Mm-hmm. And um, you come out of it, hopefully, having a better idea of what you want to do. Yeah. And also a large thing about college is the connections you make in college. So even if you're in college and you decide, like, maybe I want to be a graphic designer or maybe I want to be an accountant, whatever it is, you can meet people that are like-minded and the same age as you in that range that want to do similar things to you and you can bounce ideas off of each other, which is amazing. Yeah, I think... You just have to pay a lot of money for it. <laughs> I think you find that, like, when you go when you go to college or when you're thrown to a new environment, which isn't your school, you meet a bunch of people, a bunch of different people, and then you hear what they're doing and then... You, you eventually find what you want to do through other people uh, and you hear about what they're studying and um, what they don't like and what they do like and eventually you make your own conclusion about it. So if you don't know what you want to do, you can go to, you can go to college or if you just don't want to go at all and just want to go traveling for a year or two Take years, a gap year. you can go and do that too. I don't think there's anything wrong with a gap year either. The, the, the issue is that we're coming from a place of privilege where like we had the opportunity to take a year off or like we had the opportunity to have a little bit more time to think about things. I will say if you were like crunch time, should I go to college? I'm going to give you a little tippity tip. Um, I was talking to my dad about this the other day. He was talking about how this is going to sound nutty, but one of the biggest professions that is making a solid amount of money right now. Do you want to guess what it is? No. Plumbing. Plumbing. So why tradesmen like like a blacksmith right. or a plumber yeah. or an electrician, no one learns how to do those things anymore because they're not like a standard thing that you would go to college for. So those jobs aren't filled. Everyone has a business degree now. No one knows how to plumb. That's so true. <laughs> yeah. So like things like that that you wouldn't think are – like they're not necessarily the most glamorous jobs, but apparently those are very – profitable yeah I, I suppose it's difficult to give a real concrete answer to this question because you could do either and also like i i went to film school yeah uh, and that's because i i knew what i wanted to do and did you feel like after you came out of it you had learned enough to jettison you into your career or was it more like i'm glad i learned a couple cool things moving on i think for me i i really wanted to direct and um if you were direct and write stuff like you can just go ahead and go do that by yourself but I, I sort of was very young i was 18 and i was like hmm i could go and like learn about it a bit more and so i just went for two years and did like an intensive course and then so i finished early i finished a year two years before everyone else because a lot of my friends went on a gap year and then they had a free year course so i had two years after everyone finished but they were all at uni and i was just sort of hanging out so you know i, I guess it varies you know like yeah. I, I that was something i wanted to do and i just went and did it yeah. And then after I did it pretty early. Um, and then mine is the other story where I didn't go to college at all. Yeah. So there's no there's no right or wrong way to it. If you want to go to uni, go to uni. If you don't, go to Bora Bora. Hang out there. <laughs> I mean, I think most people, most people would probably choose Bora Bora in that situation. <laughs> I don't know about you, but I think college versus Bora Bora, yeah. Bora Bora wins every time. There is another pro to college, and yes. that is the, the party, party scene. Scene. Well, okay. So, at one point in my life, I actually attended a couple college parties, which is a crazy thing to wow. say. I know. Southern college parties. Craziness. 
And I will say that, like, the camaraderie and the fun around, like, just being wild for the night in your early 20s or, like, late teens is kind of like a coming-of-age story in itself. Like, you meet all your friends that you get fucked up with. Like, you have a fun time. And, like, even if you're not really interested in it, it's a great way to feel like you're a part of something. Yeah, yeah. If that makes sense. Like, I know most people are not advocating the party scene in college, but, like, mm, I think it's a learning experience. Yeah, I mean, like, that's the thing, isn't it, of college? You go away and you meet all these friends, but also you just go and party and you, you're you wild and young and you hang out and that you find what, what you want to do through all of that stuff. Yeah, and I feel like I got to do that even when I moved out. Like, I got very fortunate and lucky that I moved in with Lauren and had Jen and Andrea as my neighbors because we would still go out together and have, like, a really fun time where I felt like it was almost like we were in this weird, like, mismatched sorority where we could hang yeah. out. And I think we were just trying to find ourselves as, like, young adults. But in college, that's facilitated so much easier because you're forced to be in a dorm with people yeah. or a house. And the, I mean, like I said before, it varies. You know, like, I'm, like, not into that big partying thing because i don't like talking to people uh clearly and so that's for doing that, that right as i took a sip of coffee <laughs> that doesn't that doesn't appeal to me so that wouldn't be a reason why i would go to college university like because the film school i went to didn't really have that had you had like 45 pretentious 45 year olds discussing uh how they were a dentist yeah. now they're not dentists and they're filmmakers, they're filmmakers. So I had a different experience completely. But again, you know, if you if you don't know what you're doing, you want to hang out, you want to like take the pressure off for a couple of years, then fine and dandy. University is good for that. Yeah. Anyways, thank you. Yeah. Thank Dana, you very much for your, your question. question. Hopefully Sorry. Hopefully we answered that. I think we did an okay job of it. That's a tough one because it's definitely something that you have to make the final decision yeah. on. But I hope we could give you a little bit more of an expansive idea of what to do. But thank you. Thank you for your question. And good luck. I know that being 17 and a junior in high school is one of the most stressful times in a person's life. So good luck with where you are right now. All right, guys. So that about does us this week um, on Crash on My Couch. Thank you guys for listening. Yeah, thank you guys for listening. I hope you guys enjoyed our newest segment, Treasure Hunting. Let's go on a treasure hunt. Arg. Treasure hunting. Arg. Arg. Treasure hunting. <laughs> I know that Will's really excited about it. And honestly, I had a really good time talking about Fen's treasure. Fen's treasure. That was a really fun one. The mystery of Fen's treasure. Yeah. We also got to talk about Cupcake, the amazing cat. You know, we talked about really weird cults where you don't eat anything, which I'm very <laughs> not into. Yeah. Um, but in general, thank you guys so much for listening. And if you have any suggestions for the podcast, make sure to email us. Yeah. Or... All the weird and fantastical and bizarre things. Mm-hmm. We'll make it work. We'll put it in there. Yep. Or you can call us at 424-262-6824. But yeah, definitely call us or email us. Leave us a voicemail. We would love to hear from you guys what you guys have been enjoying on the podcast. Um, just your responses from last week have helped us kind of move things in a direction. So thank you so much for all of the input that you guys have had. Um, also, thank you for rating us on iTunes. It has been so nice to see some really positive ratings. So continue to give us five stars if you feel like it. Um, because we really appreciate it. Yeah, that's great. Thank yeah. you very much, guys. Yeah. So, yeah, thank you guys for listening. Thank you guys for rating and coming back every week. It's been a blast doing this. Uh, and we hope to continue doing it. Yeah. So uh, check in next week for another episode. We'll be back at you. And until then, we'll, we'll see, see you next week. week. 
Crash on My Couch would not be Crash on My Couch without the help of these wonderful people. Mm-hmm. A special thanks to executive producer Tim Street, my manager Byron Ashley, producer Emma Kikuchi, and our editor Jason Perrier, and for production assistance from Alan Ortega. Thank you, guys. 